Mark Azoulay is an industry leader in psychotherapy and men's mental health. He's helped countless guys get back on their feet, deepen their relationships, and excel in their lives. Now he's taken all that he has learned and is sharing it with you. In each episode, Mark will interview an expert in the field of masculinity and men's work. We'll cover topics such as emotional intelligence, masculine identity, anger management, financial health, trauma recovery, marriage and divorce, ethics, and spirituality. Tune in and become a better man. Welcome to the new show, Men's Therapy Podcast. I'm really excited to announce the rebrand of my show. Um, it used to be From the Ashes, now our Men's Therapy Podcast. And just like the wonderful intro said, we're focusing on issues around masculinity, mental health, um, just anything that helps men you know, get back on their feet or become better versions of themselves. Um, our first guest is Brad Wetzler. He's a friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. He's a journalist that's written for tons of magazines. I'm actually going to list out some of these right now. New York Times, GQ, Wired, Newsweek, Men's Journal, Outside, National Geographic, Yoga Journal, the list goes on. He's incredibly uh, prolific. And he's here to talk about his book, um, Into the Soul of the World, which is a memoir that includes a lot of these themes that we want to cover in the show. So Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you here because I think when we first met in Boulder, I got like a snippet of your story. You know, I knew about the Jerusalem piece. I knew about kind of trying to discover who you were. I knew about some of the mental health uh, recovery that you went through. But I'm really excited to learn, I mean, not just for our listeners, but for me, like how the story continued, you know, and yeah. kind of where we go from there. Yeah, you know, when we first met, I was kind of early on in what was kind of a 10-year recovery effort after a really hard and fast and successful start in my life. And I think I remember meeting you. I was still soaked in shame and, and really struggling at that time. But it was it's great to be here, and I'm happy to tell that it's a different story now. So That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool yeah. to see you on the other side, right? And yeah. I think like... Yeah, what you went through is what so many men go through is right beating shame and trying to find place and trying to find like initiation, right? Yeah, like exactly. this idea of like who am I? Do I have a place in this world? Absolutely. And I think, you know, those of us that missed getting that initiation, which is a lot of us. I mean, I I think I once mm -hmm. heard Robert Moore say, you know, a few people few men get blessed and they they make it an easier path in life and the rest of us live in chaos through our 20s, 30s, 40s, and in my case, until I was early 50s. So, Yeah, it's something that men really need. I think yeah. there's, I forget who said this question, probably look these up as I get the show going, <laughs> but there's one where it's like, you know, um, motherhood, right? And, and women, you kind of get that biologically, mm -hmm. right? There's something very innate where masculinity is earned, right? And yeah. it's earned through the sense of proving yourself, through being initiated, through challenging yourself right and growing through challenge and going through um this difficulty and obstacles uh so yeah i think a lot of cultures have it our culture doesn't quite and we have to kind of seek it out ourselves you know yeah absolutely our politicians our business leaders are, are evidence that there's a lot of uninitiated men out there i think 100 percent yeah, yeah yeah well so let's dive right into your story man because i know you've yeah. always been a seeker and you've been all over the world you've had incredible experiences what would you like to share with our listeners yeah so you know, I started out, uh, I left graduate school as a journalist. Uh, I, I'd studied journalism in graduate school, and, and I landed a job the next very next day. I started Outside Magazine, and I was an editor there for six years. But I, all, the whole time, I knew I wanted to be uh, a travel writer, an adventure writer, just like the writers that I was editing. And so eventually, I, I after I worked on the famous story Into Thin Air by John Krakauer, I left the magazine. I knew that was my time to go and i went out and began working for the new york times newsweek uh, wire gq all these places you mentioned and was going on these adventures and finding myself in remote places and and writing some incredible stories and having having a great time on one level but there was sort of a backstory that was happening at age 24 around the time i'd started uh at the magazine i had gone to a psychiatrist for depression and 50 minutes later, after telling him a few stories about some mystical experiences I had as a kid, I walked out with a prescription for lithium. And well, that, um, so while I was traveling, I was struggling with both depression and over time, I was getting more and more medicated. I was, I did not have bipolar disorder. Um, I would later find out. And eventually I was on 23 
pills a day, uh, 14 or 15 different medications. And I basically, you know, was doing an assignment every, every now and then and stumbling around. Well, eventually my kidneys failed in Indonesia and I literally walked into the ocean off a boat and, um, and had to be rescued. And that was sort of, uh, that was one of the downturns. And then the next downturn, a friend of mine uh, died by suicide. Well, long story short, I spent about five years practically in bed. The only thing that kept me up and around was was high doses of dexedrine. So I, otherwise, I would have been in bed for five years. So, um, And after that suicide, I just realized I had to, uh, you know, something woke up inside me. And, and I, I knew that I had to heal myself. I had to find other routes besides medications. And that's when kind of the journey began, and, and it led me around the world again to Israel, Palestine, a spiritual quest, but also hard work and therapy offices and yoga studios and all that stuff. But, you know, 10 years later, um, I, I made it and, and healed the, healed the uh, for the most part, you know, I think, you know, we can talk more about that, but man, I'm here, so. Yeah, and that's awesome. Yeah, right. I mean, that's, that, that's incredible. And it's, I mean, there's so much I can go into. I guess I first want to say it's such a shame to get over-medicated. Yeah. Right. And to have mystical or spiritual experience, I imagine in your generation or you're a little older than me, like be pathologized. Right. And be like, oh, yeah. that's mania. That's insanity. That's you're crazy, whatever. Right. Yeah. Like we got to shut that down. Whereas I have to imagine those experiences are probably pretty meaningful and formative for you when you were younger. They were very powerful and meaningful to me. And, and you know, I was a deep um, I was I was sort of a mystic as a kid. I mean, I, I played ball and did all the things, but I had this really deep connection with Jesus and. And, you know, later on, I left that path behind. Um, but those were incredibly meaningful times. It was a life raft for me, too. And so there was validation in those mystical experiences. And, you know, in my as my book will, uh, you know, those of you who read the book, I end up at age 55 having a 12-hour mystical experience in India. And I know that sounds, you know, people go to India and have these mystical experiences, but it, it blew my mind. But then, you know, the the thing that, actually hit it home. When I got home, I was seeing a psychiatrist who'd helped me get off most of these medications. And when I told him about that, he was he was as old school as you could get. But he was also, you know, as bolder and he had an open mind and he was on his own journey. And, you know, he looked at me, he dropped his pen and said, you know, I believe you. I believe that experience was real. I believe you deserved it. It doesn't happen to just anybody. And in some ways that was as powerful of an initiation as, as this mm -hmm. amazing mystical experience, you know, this older man validating that, that mystical experience. So things had kind of come around full circle since being diagnosed and, and with mania. So. Yeah. Really getting validated by someone who's a professional in that field, right. And being like, Hey, right. you're not crazy, right? Yes. Like this is real. Yeah, yeah. Your experience is real. It's not something that has to get cut off or rejected. Right. Yeah, it was incredible uh, validating. And, you know, I think as we've talked and we started to hint at, I think a lot of this quest was was an unconscious quest for validation. It was trying to please an impossible to please father. And, um, and you know, I've had a difficult relationship with my father since I was 12. And, you know, one of the backstories to the backstory was that when I was 12, I, I was on a canoe trip with him. Uh, and, and on a, a fellowship of Christian athletes canoe trip. And well, we tipped over and, um, and I nearly drowned. My life jacket got snagged on a, on a submerged log. And I was there for several minutes, maybe, maybe five or 10 minutes. And he was on the, on the beach. I could see him and he, he froze. He didn't come and get me. And eventually a, a boat rammed into me, but well, that started kind of this distrust, I think with him. And then when we got home, uh, I went to tell my mother the story and he stepped in front of me and said that it didn't happen that way, that, that I was exaggerating, that my shirt got snagged on a twig. And in fact, that, that refrain is, you know, I'm not, I'm not in contact with him now, but over the next 30, 40 years, that refrain, your shirt got snagged on a twig, that invalidation of that just, uh, you know, was one of many invalidations that, that led to the seeking journey, I think. So. Yeah, I want to dive into that. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, it's protecting his own ego, right? Yeah. But in that, sacrificing your fear, right, and your validation, and that was been a terrifying experience. Um, yeah, and then having to sit and, and process that alone, you know, and, and, yeah. and later alcoholism in my family and and that whole thing, and getting scapegoated. So it's it's you know, 
it's the whole journey of someone who calls out the truth or his per, his perception of the truth and gets uh gets punished for it and that happens you know in every every street and every country of the country you know so yeah there's always like scapegoats right or people that yeah. are whistleblowers end up getting blasted right or canceled yeah. or whatever it is yeah i, I want to take you back to the the validation piece right because i think so many young men especially in the western world probably especially in america do something similar, right? They go on these quests, they go to these like spiritual places, whether it be India or Jerusalem or Cambodia or whatever it is, right? And and they're seeking something. Oftentimes they don't know what they're seeking. Um, so I'm curious to give more detail. You, you said validation and, and love of your dad, but yeah, what else were you seeking? What were you trying to fill by doing all this stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, when long before the spiritual seeking journey be, the, the explicit one began about 10 years ago, you know, I would travel to these far off places and I'd get my work done as, as quickly as I could. And yeah. I would spend time in temples and, and, uh, you know, churches and also just sacred natural places. I was just drawn to it. And, you know, on some unconscious level, and I, I, you know, I, I felt more myself in these places. I felt more deeply connected to something cosmic and bigger than myself. And, um, and I associated those pla- this this feeling with those places, and I wasn't able to access that feeling, you know, back home. And so, you know, on some, you know, unconscious level, maybe I was trying to recreate the experiences of my youth. I don't know. But there was something, you know, you hear that word, a God-shaped hole. I definitely had that God-shaped hole that that I would tried to fill with sex relationships. Um, I, I now see the over medication period in my life as, as addiction. And, um, you know, I was seeking, I was seeking to become myself, but I didn't know how to do it. And it was just compulsive traveling. And, uh, and, and at the same time I was getting further traumatized on these trips often. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd find myself in roadless places after long helicopter rides, unable to get out and this kind of deep abandonment wound would come alive. And, um, and so it just layer upon layer, but yeah, seeking validation, seeking, seeking an understanding of what a man was, I think too. Um, you know, I didn't, didn't know what a good man was. I uh, didn't have good models and, and I didn't see them in my community. Really. I didn't see them in the business world. Um, and it was, you know, later when I began listening a friend of mine gave me a, a set once when in the middle of a, a dark depression, a friend of mine, an older guy, uh, gave me a set of tapes of Jack Cornfield and mm-hmm. and uh, w- with a joint taped to the tapes. And and uh, I began listening to Jack Cornfield and that kind of began my and, and then later Ram Dass. And that began my you know, I began to see obviously the spiritual element of that, but the masculine element, the softer, open-hearted man became something I had never seen before ever. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I had a similar thing with, um, yeah, Jack Hornfield too, Ram Dass, you know, I had it with Chogum Trumpa from Europa, Mm -hmm. right. Just like getting these Robert Bly, right. Like many of my initiators in the beginning, I mean, my dad did a great job in, in some respects, but also, a lot of it was like virtual or through books or through yeah. wisdom, right? I connected with Marcus Aurelius and meditation and all that stuff, but it was all, yeah, it all came from wisdom. And I think in that I felt connected, but also alone. I, yeah. I'm hearing some of that in what you're talking about. Cause I was like, where are the living people, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. where's the community that talks about this? Where are other guys that have read these books? Um, for, I'm going to say three to five years, I felt like I was the only guy on the planet interacting with this stuff. You know, I hear you. And, and, and you know, and, and then when, when podcasts came along and a lot of these guys yeah. ended up having you were able to hear their voices, there was something healing and haunting about healing the gentleness in these masculine voices that um, that just blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. The gentleness is crazy. Like the gentleness and the courage. Right. Courage. Like, they, like they would say, like the most vulnerable and mm-hmm. true stuff, but say it with no judgment and say it, which is complete care. Right. Like, like it was a dad talking to a child, right. Of like, Hey, this is what life is like. And I'm here with you. you And it was, it was outside the lines of society. I mean, in a major way, which, which I always felt I was probably because of some of the scapegoating experience, but then it became a blessing, you know, and began to see there are paths out there that are askance from the, the, the straight societal line. And, and that validated that part of me. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, what are some ways you feel like you didn't fit in with the like primary cultural narrative 
Where was the rub for you? Yeah, you know, I guess I felt in I felt I felt like an out, you know, for for a privileged white man, I felt like an outsider often in my own body due to some PTSD stuff and obviously, you know, being pushed out of a family, you feel outside of of, you know, your family of origin, you carry that forward, but then you know, I think seeing seeing that society was um you know, was built around the, you know, a capitalist society built around increasing your needs and fulfilling these needs that were never going to be met. And, and I felt like, uh, I also felt more gentle as a, as a man inside. And, and I think that's something that I've been confused about my entire life. And I think I've confused a lot of women with it too. I, I, you know, look like, uh, I'm six foot tall and have a, a now a white beard and, and in some ways look like I could be a, your typical alpha male, but I've had a softness to me that, that, uh, I didn't know what to do with in some ways. And, and maybe I'm still working on that part of it. And, and there is a bit of a split, I think, still in that, that I'm trying to heal, uh, still trying to understand which, which I am. And I, I, I have a deep mm -hmm. instinct that I'm, I am more of the softer man. And I, I've had a lot of, a lot of, uh, leather put over my heart in a way. And, and yet, you know, again, still, still trying to find that path and find where, where there is a place for that kind of man. So. Yeah. I really like what we're talking about. We're going to talk about that more when we come back from the break of yeah. what like male love looks like. I'm hearing what male compassion looks like, mm -hmm. what mentorship and teaching look like, you know, because I, I think that there's this one image of like, like the tough love drill sergeant type of dude. Right. And that's, I think that does work for some people. And I think it cuts off a lot of opportunity and potential, you know? Yeah. I look forward to that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to move to our first commercial break. When we get back, we're going to hear more about Brad and uh, what male compassion and gentleness look like. So hang on in there and we'll see you on the other side. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Men's Therapy Online is now accepting new members. Men's Therapy Online offers a solution to the lack of outlets for emotional expression, positive role models, and access to meaningful milestone experiences. In our post-COVID world, loneliness is at an all-time high. Men need consistent community. Our society is rapidly changing. Old models of masculinity are falling at the task of promoting emotional intelligence and meaningful connection. Men's Therapy Online offers tools and experiences designed to help the man who is struggling to balance traditional male roles and emotional fluidity. Whether you need to get back on your feet or take your life to the next level, Men's Therapy Online has your back. We help our members become a true 21st century man, a man who is not burdened by the rapid change of society, but who contributes to it honorably. If you're interested in signing up and finding your band of brothers, go to menstherapy.online to learn more. That's menstherapy.online. Start your journey today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to the Men's Therapy Podcast with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at menstherapy.online or visit www.menstherapypodcast.com. Now, back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Brad Wetzler, and he's the author of Into the Soul of the World, which is a memoir of his healing journey, traveling all around the world, experiencing spiritual sites, mystical experiences, and just really soaking in culture. I mean, it's, it's an incredible thing to both do as a young man, as an adult, professionally, right? To just like be what I see is like really like a global citizen, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, so kind of building off our conversation from last time, I'm curious, what what your evolving definition of masculine love is or masculine compassion mm. and i wonder if it's been informed by some of your travels or if there's any stories that um that highlight that for you 
You know, I was in India just this past February, and um, I'd been pondering a next book idea that might have something to do with masculinity. And and I, I, I my eye caught two men um, rickshaw drivers that were that were uh, one of them had had hit the other rickshaw, you know, and and they were out in front of their rickshaws discussing it. And I just noticed, um, you know, they were they were carrying on a conversation. It was heated in even the right word. It was a vigorous conversation. And yet I could not detect any of that up and out anger. And there were no hand motions. There were no threats. There were no knives, no guns. And it was it was amazing to watch this. And I don't want to fetishize, you know, Indian culture or Indian men. But there's something about that episode that told me that there was there is another way to be besides you know who who we often are in this country filled with a lot of anger anger really substituting for any other depth of emotion and so anyway that's one little story that that Mm -hmm. has recently happened that got me thinking about masculinity and 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 you know regarding love you know i think we have so much i live in texas now and you have a lot of that vibe of the of the self-made man, the, the, you know, the proud, the, uh, unyielding male. And, um, and, you know, all the work I've been doing, I'm in a relationship now for the past two and a half years, it's been quite hard. And the work I've been doing is, is learning to turn toward. And, you know, it's such an easy, simple concept, but, you know, this sense of, of righteousness and rightness that we, we learn as young men, I think that, that is masculinity we don't have to sacrifice our masculinity by softening and turning toward and, and having a more open heart and asking your partner what what you need in this moment and those kinds of things. And so I think, you know, and obviously I've been I've been reading Terry Real and and there's some a lot I like about his stuff and, and just in and, and bell hooks too and just trying to understand a different way of relating that is less you know, my way or the highway, which which is even for a soft man like me, I got instilled upon me, you know, so. Yeah, there's so much of that. Like when I work with my guys, there's so much of like me against the world mentality, mm-hmm. right? And I think some of the guys are the most angry and the most lonely that need help, right? And I, and I felt this way, so there's no judgment, but it's like me against the world, specifically other men, right? Mm-hmm. And then women are like the prize of that, Right. Like yeah. if I win the game of men, then I get a hot wife. Yeah. You know, and it's that's such like almost like dark Jedi shit. Right. <laughs> like it's there's so much hatred. There's so much objectification that comes with that. There's so much like um, just rage, mm-hmm. you know, and loneliness, there's so much loneliness in that, as you mentioned. I mean, yeah, you know, the processing, the, the going home and and trying to process the, you know, we just don't learn how to even have good friendships. I found, I know you do a lot of men's work and, and, um, I, you know, it was, I was 53 years old when I started to see how my friendships were suffering. I was losing friends, how, you know, on the other side of my kind of trauma recovery journey was, was opening my eyes to, to my own shit about relationships and, and and with women and men. And so, um, and again, that turning toward, and I think, you know, we just don't check in on each other either as men, which is an interesting, sad thing. Um, I, I, you know, even the friendships I have today that are healthy and good, there's a certain way in which two weeks pass, you know, two and a half weeks, and then there's a text, hey, you want to grab coffee again? And, you know, I think uh, we just don't take care of each other like women do. Yeah, it's so compartmentalized, right? Yeah, like yeah. It, it's either tied to an activity or a schedule. There's not as much flow as it seems like there is in female right. relationships, right? Yeah, a beer or pickleball or whatever. It's like, you know, where's... <laughs> but yeah, so... Yeah, and if it's like, you know, if the weather sucks, you're not talking to your friend for three weeks right? <laughs> right. until yeah. you can get out again. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm curious, you talked about relationships, right? And you, know, you said you've been in a relationship for a while now and you're working through how to turn towards... Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, right? We're talking about the masculine a lot, but I'm curious your impression of the feminine and how do you bring those balance into a relationship? Say more about that, Mark. Yeah. So I, I guess one of the assumptions, I posit that I put forth in this podcast, right, that I've come to realize is that men and women are different, mm-hmm. right? Equal, but different. And that's weirdly a taboo thing. I think with a lot of cultures moving towards everyone's the same, we're all one unit. Everything is like... um 
just level, right? Or right. that there are gender differences, there are cultural differences, whether it's nature or nurture, it's kind of hard to tell, but I think men and women are different. And I think I try to take more of an equity model here, right? Of like, it's about, okay, understanding your partner, if you're in a heterosexual couple, partners right. like unique needs, right? And then meeting them rather than just like doing what you think is right, right? Or just doing what, what you would want, you know? Um, and I guess I have to say for our listeners, right? Like masculine and feminine, doesn't have to be sex assigned. It can, they're genders, right? So you can have right. masculine women and feminine men, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that there's something about that polarity between those two energies. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm curious, like, have you thought about that? Do you see that play out in your relationship? How do you move between those? How do you lean into that? Yeah. Um, like, you know, you? it is, it is, a, it is a, can be another confusing, confusing thing. I think that, um, you know, women have been conditioned by, you know, our patriarchy too, mm -hmm. to, you know, you talk about the winning the prize. Well, there's a certain conditioning with, with some women anyway, that they, they move towards becoming that prize and that there's a certain um, overt feminism that, or not feminism, but feminine way that, that, um, you know, has, has come to, to be normal in, in this country. But, um, you know, I think, I have had to learn about, about meeting needs and I have, and there's a certain part of me that, you know, being a spiritual person, there's a part of me that, um, doesn't want to necessarily see needs as an, as an important part of relationship. You know, if that makes sense to you that a relationship is a container for self growth and, and are both a mutual growth. And I think there's a lot of truth in that, but, uh, and I've, I've have resisted, you know, really trying to, to, accept and meet my partner's needs but it's i've made a big move in that direction it's not it's not something that a relationship can survive without yeah it's been a struggle for me too if i'm being honest right like yeah. i think some of my fiance's needs are things that again i don't know if it's good or bad but like i can't even comprehend really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like again whether that's a genetic difference or that's just like conditioning i've, I've repressed those Right. I mean, there's a really great um, antidote from John Gottman's work. It's a great book, uh, Men's Guide to Women, where he talks about this, where he does this thing and he runs these big workshops. He's like a couples counselor. Right. And he says, hey, men in the room, when's the last time you've been afraid? Right. Yeah, and like yeah. men say, oh, I was climbing this mountain or I was doing this like thing or I was shooting guns or like whatever. Typical man shit. Right. Um, and then women, he asks them and they're like, oh, walking to this um, workshop. Right. Like getting out of right. my car. Right. Like going home at night. And just like the fear level between men and women, it's just like uncomprehensible. Yeah. And that's something that shows up in my relationship where it's like, I'm often in that soothing role and I don't, I don't feel afraid, right? Yeah. Because of yeah. privilege or conditioning or biology or whatever, right? But like my fiance does. And that's one edge I've had to really try to work and get into that. Yeah. And I think I've done a lot of self-soothing over the years, even though I've been in relationships, I, I've, my go-to way to soothe myself is, is to, uh, is to come back to my apartment and, and, uh, you know, open a book or, or sit on my deck and, and just overthink things. And, and, you know, when in fact, you know, being more relational, I'm learning is, is a, is a much better way to soothe. And that's an edge for me. I want to, I just want to separate and go home mm -hmm. instead of connect. And it's still quite an edge for me. I have the same thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm like that avoidant <laughs> attachment. Like I don't want to yeah. talk about it. I think I, I hold some misogyny views that like, if somebody helps me, it like makes me less powerful in some way. Yeah. Like I should be able to do it on my own, you know? Um, and then you I project that on your partner, then you want, you think her, she yeah. should have to do it on her own. So yeah. 100%. Yeah. So when the partner asks for help, I'm like, just figure it out. I don't know. Like I've had to figure it out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, just, it's just rejecting, right? I mean, it it's, is. It's, it's hurtful. It can be hurtful. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's tough. So I, I'm curious, right? This is a, a question I'll probably weave into the show a bit. Is what do you see as modern masculinity? Because I think we're at a point where the old paradigm is failing, mm -hmm. right? Like that's people know that, right? Like men are struggling. Toxic yeah. masculinity is destroying our boys. Like it just doesn't work. Right. But I think the the more interesting question is, okay, where are we going? So I'm curious for you, where do you think we're going? Yeah, wow, that's a big question, yeah. and I I think. Um... You know, as somebody who's identified, I don't know if you've ever heard the term Sigma male. Uh, have you ever heard that term? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. I don't know if there's much validity to that idea, but, um, you know, 
here in Texas, I, I, I've been raising this question as I've been trying to process my next book. And, uh, and do you think the typical man or in, in history, throughout history, do you think the the essence of masculinity was more John Wayne or Keanu Reeves, you know, and, and throw those personalities out. But you know what the archetypes of those two are. And I have a hunch that it's more Keanu Reeves. I just do. I just think that, um, you know, especially as we've moved in the Western culture and again with with capitalism and, and corporate culture, it's become very bullying and very power. Yeah. You know, it is. I mean, obviously, masculinity and power are very connected. It's an important part of masculinity. But I think, um, you know, there's some way I think we've got to cut through just a power for power's sake and, and find a way to. You know, to to relate again in a turning toward way. I, I you know, I, I'm just so appalled every day. I wake up and and just read about the politics and the Elon Musk's of the world, and it's just heartbreaking to see how normalized this is getting and how how it's soaking into you know again our boys and stuff here too. So yeah, yeah have you seen this? Have you seen the, like the thing about Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg doing a cage yeah. match? Yeah, dude. That's like we're that's a, to me. I think that's like fall of Rome, like opulence of the empire shit, right? That like literally, like two of the richest men in the world are gonna fight in a cage to like determine if Twitter or Threads is better. Like it just, I know. It's, well, it's mind blowing to me too, you know? Mark. And I'm I'm older than you because, yeah. but I you know I grew up in the seventies and you know it was it was still the sixties was still close enough that there was a lot of ad i had so much admiration at that time there were softer men then to be quite mm -hmm. honest there was you know i mean alan alda was on mash and and singer songwriters james taylor and all and and all these heartfelt men these romantic poetic men and it's and they were kind of for a while the alphas in 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 a way at that time and it's 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 gotten bizarre for me to see um, nothing against tech people, but to see uh, a different personality that's a much less emotional personality, um, perhaps, um, you know, rising to these, the top of the heap, so to speak, and, um, and winning, winning the alpha females. And, and it's just, there's just a mind fuck that's, that's happened for me to see that the lack of emotionality and relationality, that's what I'm really getting at. And that, that these are the men who are in power and, the men that are setting the rules for society. Um, it, it is a bit, um, there's a bit of psychopathy to some of this, I'll say. Yeah. I agree. It's very strange, right? It's yeah. like, I see it like it's a perversion of like 1940s, right? Because there's a time in the 40s where scientists were the coolest shit, right? Like Albert Einstein, Robert Feynman, right? Like all these people were like, science was cool and like we're helping to like improve the world and like learn cool stuff about physics and chemistry. Now it's like, it's not science. It's like the money that science gets you, right? It's like one step beyond the innovation. Because I think innovation research is something that really does that America really can stand, right? I think we have some of the brightest minds in the world, but yeah. when it gets perverted by this like capitalist piece, right? It's not understanding for understanding's sake, right? It's understanding for profit. Right. So touch but, a different feel. Well, yeah. and all you tech people out there, forgive me for this, but when, when I was a kid, you know, if you were an engineer, you you had literally had a pencil protector and, and you worked on for 3M on like their next brand of tape. And mm -hmm. I mean, this is my my own image of it. So I, I sometimes think of Elon Musk as like in some corner in some office trying to perfect, you know, double sided tape or something. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, these people, they have such big platforms and i think they could really benefit from some of the gentleness or poet yeah right you know, that you're talking about right we think about yeah like cat stevens right or like the robert Bly, or these kind of people that are like saying something deep um yeah so, so say more about that right like what kind of gentleness would you like to project into mm. the world i think we're kind of dancing around that topic yeah wow another big 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 question i appreciate it um, yeah. yeah you know i think i think it's it's really just at this point focusing on the process i mean i think it's it's probably too much to think about an end result of a more gentle masculinity but what can we do on a day-by-day -day basis to to you know soften our hearts i i can't remember if it was meister eckhart or something talks about you know just these layers of leather over our, our heart as i mentioned and this this quote about that and how 
you know, over time, it just gets layer upon layer upon layer. And, and I think the, the thing we can do is, you know, I mean, this, this is what takes me back to spirituality and to not necessarily a, a woo-woo spirituality, but just doing things like metta meditation or self-forgiveness meditation and, and, and breathing exercises, anything to slow down and try to feel again. You know, I think, um, I think, in, you know, a lot of my work after, after getting off the medications was learning to feel again. And, and there's a way for me anyway that I think as I began to feel more, I felt more connected to my soul. And I'm not even sure what I mean by that word soul. It's in the title of my book and it's, it's, it's something about our essence. There's something connection with, with the soul of the world. But I think for me, it's through the feeling function in a way. The more I can feel, the more I can come back to my essence. And I think if, you know, obviously therapy things you're doing, um, to help men get out of just the the anger mode and, and find some subtlety of feeling, you know, that's such an important thing. I agree completely, right? Like I think men are superpower and our biological function for most of history is that, is being able to go terminator mode, as I like to yeah. call it, right? It's like right. cut it off and like do the thing, like kill the thing, build mm-hmm. the thing, save the person, right? But like, especially, you know, again, this is a privileged conversation, but in privileged Western culture, like we don't need that anymore. No, we're okay. Right. We've been okay actually for a while. And I think our hardware is still catching up with the fact that we're pretty safe now. And I think as men, we don't know how to, we don't know how to live in peace. We don't live in war. We're actually kind of bred for war, Mm -hmm. but peace is a, is very hard for men. Um, And I think it's exactly what we're talking about. It's like slowing down, breathing, feeling, being more, being more alive ultimately. Yeah. Getting away, stepping away from the computer. One thing where you just live in your head all day. So yeah, yeah, not having to just like cut cut yourself off from the neck down. Um, right. So yeah, I think when we come back, I want to talk more about spirituality, some of the spiritual yeah. beliefs, um, how I think I think men need that. I think the gut that we talked about before, that God-shaped hole, that's really common, mm-hmm. um, whether it be, you know, religion or spirituality or connection, whatever you want to call it. But I think a lot of guys are missing that. And I want to hear about how you're working on that and, and what that journey has been so far. Um For those listening, uh, thanks for supporting the podcast, and we'll see you on the other side of the commercial break. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Men's Therapy Online is now accepting new members. Men's Therapy Online offers a solution to the lack of outlets for emotional expression, positive role models, and access to meaningful milestone experiences. In our post-COVID world, loneliness is at an all-time high. Men need consistent community. Our society is rapidly changing. Old models of masculinity are falling at the task of promoting emotional intelligence and meaningful connection. Men's Therapy Online offers tools and experiences designed to help the man who is struggling to balance traditional male roles and emotional fluidity. Whether you need to get back on your feet or take your life to the next level, Men's Therapy Online has your back. We help our members become a true 21st century man, a man who is not burdened by the rapid change of society, but who contributes to it honorably. If you're interested in signing up and finding your band of brothers, go to menstherapy.online to learn more. That's menstherapy.online. Start your journey today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to the Men's Therapy Podcast with Mark Azalay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at menstherapy.online or visit www.menstherapypodcast.com. Now, back to the Men's Therapy Podcast. Welcome back to the show. You're Brad Webster, the author of Into the Soul of the World. And we're going to talk about the soul of the world. Mm. You know, I, I really want to talk to you about spirituality. You know, it's something that, yeah, I guess I've, give you a little context, gone through waves of, you know, I was a seeker, you know, I was born culturally Jewish, but 
didn't connect too much to that. Um, mm-hmm. Studied a lot of like Buddhism, Hinduism, did meditation retreats, a ton of those. I'm doing nature connection stuff. I'm about to go on a vision quest, but like, I don't know. Like, like, like it's something that's important, but I don't, I don't have a grasp on yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of doing what I see as kind of a male process of like just throwing myself into situations and listening, mm-hmm. you know, like growing through challenge and growing through adversity. Um, but yeah, but I'm curious about you, right? Like, it sounds like you've had a mystical connection in some form or another your whole life. Yeah. Um, as well. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. You know, again, when I was a kid, I had this deep connection with Jesus and, and you know, I would listen to Jesus Christ Superstar over and over again. And just, you know, the fascination with this man who was compassionate and strong and said truth to power, that was my obsession with it. It wasn't, it, it was less... I mean, it was a deeply religious experience, but it was also a masculine, I mean, an a, a, a admiration of his masculinity. A, again, this softer but strong masculinity. But then I, I left that behind when I went to college and I found the beat writers. And for a while, that became my religion. And um, and then I was a, a grumpy journalist and atheist for a long time. And I actually equate that period with my downfall a, a bit, that, that I had gone away from a spiritual life. And so in midlife, after I, I wandered around Israel and Palestine trying to see if I could believe in Jesus again, which is part of the book, I came home knowing I couldn't. But I did come home having my heart opened and knowing that spirituality had to be a part of my my journey forward. And I, I went down the, the yoga rabbit hole. I, I dabbled in Buddhism like you did. And um, and, you know, I've done a lot of reading and, and studying of, of those traditions. And, you know, and then more recently, and I know, you you know, I, I sort of fell into the young rabbit hole. And and that, that's really, um, it's brought some interesting perspectives and changed my spirituality a bit. I do now see the ways that my Eastern dabbling can be ego-driven ego in a way and, and that there's some depth that I'm not able to, to get through that path. But, you know, to cut to the chase here, I, I just do think that the fact that that religion has played such a central role in our li- in human lives over the millennia is, is proof in itself that we are, we are religious people, mm-hmm. spiritual people. I mean, whether or not there's a, a, a God, an external God, or whatever you want to talk about, we are, we are wired for God. And, which is sort of the the title I'm I'm playing with for my next book, and um, you know, and I think when when you accept that and 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 take the pressure off of the need for for scientific proof of of God, I think that's a setup. We'll never have it, and in fact, it's 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 actually antithetical to the notion of God. And so, you know, I talk in my book about. Um, during the Enlightenment, the word faith and belief changed dr- dramatically. Uh, before the Enlightenment, there was a sense of having faith was was to steep in something. You know, like whether you're a Christian, you steeped in this this religion of Jesus. You know, and, and in Jesus Christ Himself, or, or the energy of that. And after the after the Enlightenment, um, you know, we became much more fact based thinkers, and and we linguistically um, screwed ourselves by you know to believe in something required the uh, an object to believe mm-hmm. in and and it those sentences no longer made sense to to have faith or to have a deep belief um in something beyond and and we just sort of we tricked ourselves out of the ability and so um i'm just right now really landed in a place i'm still deeply on a yogic path but mm-hmm. i'm also um you know, I'm now playing more with with my faith and, and also the idea that we can develop it. I think I'm a man with a lot of doubt. You know, I just have a lot of doubt. Um, I'll always be pulled. I'll, I'll go to bed a firm believer in God. I'll wake up. You know, you're so ridiculous. You've got, uh, you know, here's you're, you're a man of science, too. And there's there's a certain push pull with that. But I think um softening again in other words softening around these concepts and 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 opening and accepting that these these are concepts that have smooth not rough ed, not def, they're not squares you know they're not the concepts that have easily definable edges they're they're soft concepts that we can feel into and not need 
empirical proof on. So that's kind of where that's a long journey, but that's kind of where I am right now. I've, I've been rereading the Bible, in fact, um, um, as well as staying on this other path I'm on and with plans to go back to India. I, um, yeah, I hope that that answers your question. But there's there's a lot of complexity to that. But I think I spend a lot of time. I wake up very early, not by choice. I wake up at about four forty-five, and I spend a good two hours in kind of quiet contemplation, reading, and not so much a formal practice even anymore right now. Just just uh, dim light and and uh, some some chanting music and and just being present. That to me feels feels as powerful and as useful as as really you know a, a very rigorous meditation practice so yeah i like that a lot right just creating space to listen and to surrender and to see yeah. what arises you know like, and, I, and i do think something arises you know mm-hmm. i do think um um i become more present to you know to not only my dreams but to things that happen in my reality and and thanks again to to jung i i no longer see things as coincidences you know i I was going through something last week and uh intense and 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 some wasps came and built their nest on my deck you know and and a year ago when i was finishing my books uh, book i was feeling really connected to my soul and and I was seen to be surrounded by white doves. And now this sounds like the the ravings of a madman, but I think when you start to listen, you see the soul of the world start to come out of this. It might actually be speaking to you, you know? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, it's, I said I'm going on Vision Quest for the first time in a couple of weeks, which is like 10 days out in nature solo, uh, fasting for four of them. Mm. And it's that type of idea of trying to go out and listen and... yeah. Again, I don't really have a cosmology. I'm not sure if I'm at like believing in a deity or anything yet, um, but I want to track realness, right? Yeah. And for me, yoga was a, was an entry into that of being like, well, my body feels deeper than I could even comprehend. Mm-hmm. You know, um, some psychedelic use in my younger years was, I think, the original gateway to that. You know, like silent meditation retreat opens that up. Just being like, whoa, there is more to reality. I don't know what it is. I don't really care about finding an answer, right? Yeah. Like I don't need to have like a dogma, but I do want to experience it. I do want to feel something that feels out of the ordinary, you know? Yeah. And reality, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of thinkers and theologists have talked about reality being, you know, God comes at you disguised as reality, mm-hmm. you know? And I think we get caught in the West with this idea about, you know, uh, how could there be suffering if there's a God? But but I think they don't have that problem in the East. You know, they have this acceptance that God comes in various many ways, and He comes as reality. You know, um, there's a, there was a prayer that I started using a, f- a few months ago. I read from um, Richard Rohr, and uh, he he I think it's a uh, it's a Franciscan prayer, but it's just two lines. Uh, who are you god and who am i and just repeating those those lines over and over again as a prayer is and listening is is pretty powerful i'm noticing so that's pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah. Like not said, having any no certainty right the, ab- the absence of certainty so and, and just questioning right just yeah. questioning and listening yeah um and yeah i think i don't know i don't want to it's weird i would never say this as a younger person but i do think our culture needs some sort of spirituality whether that be you know and again i boil that down to like a sense of belonging a sense of ethics a sense of compassion right like whatever form that takes doesn't really matter to me but i think like the stuff that i imagine came with that is i think really really needed yeah you know feeling like we're all in a community we're not just like fighting all the time. You yeah, know? you know, and I know there's a cliche about us Westerners discovering yoga and Eastern Eastern wisdom. But you know, when I when I began when I discovered yoga philosophy and learned even the simple yamas and niyamas, there's there an ethic system. I'd mm-hmm. rejected, you know, I'd rejected my Christianity by that point, but I was living without any kind of ethical system. And and it was nice to see an ethical system I could get behind. Um, you know, and, and also in, 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 a, in a yoga class, I think one of my first yoga classes after my after getting off of all those drugs it was just your typical dharma talk from from a teacher who was probably 26 years old and and yet it was so profound at the time i remember um you know talking about how we are we are lights within and 
and this this sort of light might get covered tarnished up a bit and and our work as in yoga class or in prayer or whatever is to polish that light which which was a big difference between what i grew up with with um original sin and and so that began to lead me back again to circle back to this gentleness and softness um that there's a way we are okay inside rather than deeply broken and uh and that that was a big shift for me to start to embrace that yeah that was my main shift too in eastern philosophy yeah right of like not feeling like a like yeah because western's like downtown your your original sin you're like a beast right you're like a savage creature you're like only id right where it's like right that sucks. I mean, I, I mean, again, it's hard to know what's true, but like you can pick what you want to believe. And I would much rather believe that yeah. I'm like an open, spiritual, loving creature. And yeah, sometimes I fuck up and sometimes I have to polish that up or dig out the mud. But like, ultimately there's basic goodness there. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think the original Greek to sin means to miss the mark only. It doesn't mean, you know, that you are a horrible person. And so e- even Christianity got, got warped from its original intent. So, yeah. Yeah. The whole final judgment thing really, you know, yeah. screwed it up. You know, like, I mean, like, yeah, Jewish religion, there isn't that, right. There isn't like a final judgment. Like we're all, we're You're all just judged all the time. time. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're guilted all the time. Right. right. By our moms. Yeah. Um, it's not by God, but there is this like ethical debate piece that comes up of like, yes, if you make a mistake, you have to make amends, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't just get away with it, but it's not like you're going to burn in hell forever, you know? Right. Well, in the East, you'll come back as some insect or or worse, you know, in in your next life. But yeah, a worm or like a donkey's (laughs) testicle or whatever, right? right? Like that's your that's your punishment. Well, you know, Brad, we got to start to wrap up. There's a lot of good stuff here. I can't wait to have you on the show again. Um, But as we're wrapping up, where can people find you online if they want to know more about you and your book and and what you do out there? Yeah, um, you can find me at bradwetzler.com, and that's B-R-A-D and W-E-T-Z-L-E-R.com. And you can find out about my courses. I teach memoir courses, transformative memoir courses. If you've had a hard journey in life, uh, um, you know, I'd love to help you uh, write about it to heal and, and maybe to publish, too. And then um, – that's essential. And my book is available at Amazon and, and other booksellers. It's called Into the Soul of the World, My Journey to Healing. And I would love it if you bought it and, and read it. It's uh it's quite a story. I was an adventure writer by by training, and so this this journey of recovery is told a bit as an adventure. It's it's a page turner. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Go check out the book. It's awesome. Like Into the Soul of the World. Give it an order, give it a pre-order, like really, really give it a read. I think there's a lot of good stuff there. Um so yeah, thanks for tuning in to Men's Therapy Podcast, our inaugural episode. Um, we'll keep moving forward and kind of niche down the show and just talking to guys out there that want that want something more, right? That want like a little bit more depth, that want some more healing, that know that um, the only way forward is through. So if you're one of those guys, keep tuning in and the show's going to keep getting better and better. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next week on another episode of Men's Therapy Podcast. Thank you for joining your host, Mark Agile, on the Men's Therapy Podcast. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and anywhere podcasts are found. To support the show, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. For more information or to apply to be a guest, visit www.menstherapypodcast.com.